Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, life coach, and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, we're discussing how to survive unwanted criticism. Hello, hello, hello. This episode is inspired by one of my favorite people on the planet, Kathleen Lenormand Dussetel. She was my high school English teacher, and she submitted this request for how to survive unwanted criticism. Now, Kathleen is the best teacher I ever had throughout my entire life because she was so much more than a teacher to me and still is. This is why I cannot fully hate Facebook because (laughs) Facebook allows me to stay connected to people like Kathleen. And if we're going to survive unwanted criticism, having people sort of in our corner who support us and love us and see us through some of our toughest times is essential. And we all get to have that. There are supportive people everywhere, y'all. But part of how I survived the intense years of my adolescence was in this woman's classroom. I was gifted with being able to be in her classroom for three years in a row in high school. And I tucked her love. I tucked the way that she lit up for me. I tucked it in my pocket. I kept it in my heart. It kept me going. Because she was my English teacher, she held space for the weird way that my mind worked and the twisted creative things that I wrote to try to process my pain. But I think today my get people in trouble. So she gave me space to process my darkness. She encouraged it. I never had to hold back. When we practice rejecting criticism instead of shrinking or drinking it, we become less and less affected until it just feels like a quick, annoying mosquito bite. Pesky, but nothing more. So I want to give you some tips on how to survive unwanted criticism because this world is critical And we're certainly going to have times when we don't have the support that we need. And we also can figure out how to fill in the voids when we do need the support. And surviving unwanted criticism starts really with a self-support. So the first big tangible thing I can suggest here is to read the four agreements. And I just don't mean read them. I mean embody them. This isn't the first time I've mentioned them. I imagine I will still mention them when I'm an old lady. Here are the four agreements. 
Be impeccable with your word. To speak with integrity, to say only what you mean and avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. Use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. Do you hear how this can combat unwanted criticism? Because if someone criticizes me, I want to be impeccable with my word to myself. And the second that I go into, oh, maybe that person's right. Maybe I do suck. I'm allowing their truth to override my own without even checking in with myself yet. I want to be impeccable with my word with myself. So if someone criticizes me, my being impeccable with myself sounds something like, that's their opinion. They're one person. They're entitled to that opinion. I don't have to take it in, but I can consider it. So there's a real matter of factness with myself that comes from a grounded place that maybe comes from an intuitive place instead of a spun up, triggered people pleasing place or out of a sense of insecurity. Second, agreement. Don't take anything personally. Now, I know that that annoys people when they first hear it, because if we're people pleasers, part of the reason we're people pleasers is because we were taught the opposite of this as truth. We were taught to take everything personally. We were taught that every verbal jab was something we should take as a dagger to the heart, and it better damn well change our behavior to get in that person's good graces. So part of what we're doing as sensitive people a lot of us people pleasers, to survive unwanted criticism, we're flipping this. And using our stubbornness to not take anything personally is such a positive use of stubbornness. Nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. Isn't that a beautiful statement? When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. So for those of us that are empaths, think about how we walk the world, having over-empathy for people. So here somebody skips up to me and gives me an unwanted, maybe cruel criticism. When I have practiced not taking anything personally, I have a sort of immunity to that. I have built up my immunity. I think it's important that we have clarity on understanding that that is the goal to heal up the people pleasing that makes us prone to being so wounded by unwanted criticism. Third agreement, don't make assumptions. This is an interesting one as an empath because we emotionally, empathically make discernments about what we're feeling and sensing. So one of our discernments may need to be about how to discern an assumption that sort of hurts us or an assumption that isn't impeccable with a discernment. So under Don't Make Assumptions, Don Miguel Ruiz, the author, says, find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. Communicate with others as clearly as you can to avoid misunderstandings, sadness, and drama. With just this one agreement, you can completely transform your life. Now, if you come from a dysfunctional family, you may notice that most communication is full of misunderstanding, is full of sadness and hurt, and full of drama. So again, we're flipping this over. We're flipping it on its head. 
to practice in, in a lot of ways the opposite of what we were taught. Because if we come from drama and chaos, we were taught to make assumptions and to fly off the handle. So we're learning how to dial that down and let go of assumption making. The fourth and final agreement, always do your best. Watch out people who struggle with perfectionism. This agreement takes care of you too because it says your best changes from moment to moment. Your best is different when you are healthy as opposed to sick. Simply do your best under any circumstance and you will avoid self-judgment, self-abuse, and regret. These four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz are really the Bible of surviving unwanted criticism. You can take the four agreements further by engaging a fierce self-love dialogue and practice. Loads and loads and loads of permission to be you. It's been powerful for me to admit to myself and even make it a mantra that I am different than many other people that I meet. I know just like me, many of you have fought that your whole lives. And to embrace it is a game changer. Self-validation that is absent of a critical vibe or absent of sarcasm is important. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask them all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? Well, we hear you and we have been there too. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. Who are we? I'm Dr. Jess Steyer, a public health scientist and also co-host of the Unbiased Science Podcast. Every day, I'll chat with one or both of your new pediatrician besties, Dr. Dina DiMaggio, a general pediatrician, and Dr. Anthony Porto, a pediatric gastroenterologist. We'll talk about all the things related to our kids' health, from dealing with a colicky infant to navigating puberty in the teenage years. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, now live on all podcast platforms. Here's an example for you. A lot of you as highly sensitive people feel like there's something bad or wrong about the people in the world that you don't like, as if being highly sensitive might mean that you're supposed to like everyone all the time, constantly. I watch highly sensitive people carry around so much guilt and secret shame about this. Now, I love people. When people are at their best, oh my goodness, so easy to love them. I love humanity. I love the struggles that we have. I love people watching. I love observing. I love relating. I love having depth. But there's a lot about our human side as a people that I don't like. And I know that there's a lot about people that you don't like either. There's something important about being impeccable with our word here. That is very paradoxical. The more that I admit to myself, I just don't like this person, the calmer I am with myself, the more that I don't have to take any unwanted criticism from that person too. So there's this way, not just not liking people, there's this way that we can learn how to reject instead of absorb as empaths. We can reject criticism. And really, we can reject. Now, reject doesn't mean you mow somebody down. Doesn't mean you hit them with your car. Doesn't mean you push them down the stairs. Doesn't mean you ice them out. It just means you acknowledge this isn't, this isn't my favorite person or this isn't my favorite piece of feedback. I get to decide whether I accept it or not. 
we're growing those muscles of discernment to be able to accept and reject lots of things. I've talked about it in a recent episode about life being a theater and we sort of shift people into different rows. If you're getting a lot of unwanted criticism from someone, maybe check that out. Maybe have a conversation. Do your best, whatever your best is on that given day or in that moment. And consider if it's time to maybe place them in a different psychological row. Instead of the first row in your theater, maybe the fifth, maybe the tenth, maybe standing at the back, maybe kick them out. You figuring out your boundaries there will be helpful in managing unwanted criticism. Whenever I'm criticized, I try to understand more of who I am than sort of going down the path of what's wrong with this other person. You know, it's very human in our psychology to project and to point the finger outward. It's easier to point the finger outward. And for some of us, maybe it's too easy to overpoint the finger inward. We're learning how to balance these forces, balance our way of being in a way that will serve us. But it's a pretty powerful shift for me to understand more of who I am in the moment of surviving an unwanted criticism. What is it about me that made me bristle at that criticism? What is it about me that catches on that criticism instead of allowing it to flow off of me like water? What is it that I'm avoiding? What is it that I feel in opposition to when someone walks up and offers me an unwanted criticism? Is it the person that's hard for me? Is it the vibe that's hard for me? Is it the way a critical system can gang up on me? And is my problem really with the system instead of the verbal criticism or nonverbal criticism? One of the things I've learned to accept about myself is that I love direct and upfront from people. And that makes sense. I grew up with a lot of secrets, a lot of manipulation. So I'm not crazy about spending my hanging out time and my leisure time with people who aren't kind of direct and upfront with me. The cost and the drain of feeling a critical person versus a critical statement from a mostly positive person is an important distinction to me. My own commitment to myself is that I have to pay attention to sort of how heavy someone feels and if there's a benefit to me carrying that weight or if it's time for me to put down that weight and take a little space from that relationship. But I am responsible for who I am, what I feel, and what I need, even when other people don't understand it. And sometimes that feels like we're inviting unwanted criticism as we're learning how to advocate for ourselves. Many of us coming from family systems or work systems that are incredibly codependent and people-pleasing and can do a lot of shaming about being assertive. For me, it's as simple as a room stinking. If there's too much criticism or too much critical vibe, it's like a stinking room to me. And at some point, yeah, I'm going to try to figure out what's making the stink. Can I clean it up? But if I just can't clean it up on my end, I don't have the power to clear the stink out of the room. I'm probably not going to hang out in that room very long because that room's going to give me a headache. And at some point, I'm not going to feel very smart about staying in that room when I could easily step outside and get some fresh air. 
And I've got to do that for myself, even if I'm in a room and nobody else smells the stink. One of the things I challenge you to look at if you struggle with receiving a lot of unwanted criticism is to consider what are you putting out there? Sometimes we ask people who we already know are highly critical for an opinion, and then we're really bummed when they give that opinion. So we want to tighten up those internal boundaries with ourselves and help ourselves grow into asking people that give us constructive feedback instead of critical feedback. I try to consider the rapport level if someone's giving me critical feedback, and that's not a perfect process. But I'm definitely going to give more heft and weight receiving feedback from someone that's done a course with me or that's worked with me personally versus someone that's listened to one episode and writes a nasty review somewhere. So I want to consider the rapport and the depth of relationship. Is this a relationship that has a conditional way of being that I am only accepted or loved or respected conditionally? when I am being who this other person wants me to be? Or is there more of an unconditional love vibe that I get to be me and our bond gets to stay even if someone disagrees with me? To a good friend that I trust, who shoots me straight, if they pop up with a criticism I didn't ask for or invite, I'm going to consider it. I might even make a joke and say, well, good thing I didn't ask you. And then we can both laugh about it. So it's not just the words that we're communicating in these moments of unwanted criticism. It's the tone and it's the depth of relationship. It's the essence of the person or the essence of the message that's being sent. Thank you, Kathleen, for being one of, if not the most loving teacher of my entire life. Thank you for holding space for my younger self. I was grateful back then as it was happening and I am infinitely more grateful now as a grown woman looking back. Thank you for continuing to support me like the spiritual mother you are more than 20 years after I stopped being your official student. I know you've done it for countless others, not just me. If you've been positively affected by Kathleen Lenormand as she was known when she was teaching, Desatel maybe to some of you in her later career, I'd love you to reach out to the show and share your story of how she impacted you because I know there are tons of us out there that were loved by this amazing teacher. If you want to support the show's growth and continue to help us maintain being a commercial-free podcast, come find us at patreon.com backslash emotional badass. For the price of a fancy coffee, you get all of our Patreon-only episodes. I believe we're up to 20. You can join my live Q&A that I do monthly and ask me anything about anything, personally, professionally, podcasting, coaching, counseling, whatever you got, I will answer it if I think there's a way for me to give a healing, helpful response. Here are the Patreon shout-outs. That's something you get when you come hang out at our Patreon. You get a shout-out. So I want to honor these Patreon producers of the show. Carrie G, Paula B, Anne-Marie F, Sunny F, Mackenzie A, and Chris Cozart. 
Thank you for your support, light and love and gratitude. I'm an emotional badass, you're an emotional badass, and together we are where Moxie meets Mindful. Mm-hmm.